Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Diagnosing, Diagnosing a, a Killer. Killer. I am Kenna. I'm Coel. I'm excited to talk to you guys again. I know. I feel like it's still it's been, been a so week. so long. We, yeah, we've had a lot going on. You were in Vegas. I was in Vegas. I graduated. graduated. I walked the stage from college, finally. So I actually have a psychology degree, so now my (laughs) word means a little bit more than it did a few weeks ago. Um, And we were on the news. We talked about it. Well, obviously, you guys have heard the interview, hopefully, that we came out with Clark Finney. Uh, We named it DAK Live, which I think is a really cool concept. Maybe we can do that in the future with someone else. Uh, No editing, completely raw, unfiltered. And uh, we did air that last week, and then <laughs> shortly afterwards, we aired the Clara Harris episode, which we talked about the fact that we were going to yeah. be interviewed and going to be on the news. It kind of got mixed up in the timeline. Uh, but we did a segment on Great Day SA. So if you would like to go watch that, we're super honored. They made us look so good. And uh, you just I just Googled Great Day SA, and then the date was 12-17-2021. Mm-hmm. So if you just Google that, it's on the, the homepage. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see it. Why didn't I get to see it live? I recorded it on DVR because yeah. I didn't wake up until late. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I yeah. forgot we were on TV today. Well, I saw it hours later because I was two hours behind you guys Yeah, uh, back there. And so it took, I didn't watch it until like, I guess, noon y'all's time. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see it. But, yeah, it was really awesome. So cool. Think, uh, go give that a watch if you guys want to. It's only like a four minute segment. It's nothing crazy, but you can see us live and in action in our closet recording yeah. uh you know super authentic and uh, yeah, yeah so. and thanks so much to clark seriously. seriously it was such a privilege to talk to her and listen to her and open up with her and it was really cool it was awesome she's awesome yeah she was great i, I told you i facetimed her drunkenly while i was in vegas oh my god you did not we had a conversation <laughs> it was great she's was so nice great. she's so nice i'm so embarrassed <laughs> So oh, well, that's what you do in Vegas. You get drunk and make, yeah, stupid, and make decisions. stupid decisions. Without further ado, I think you have a new case for us today. We've been talking about not the case in particular, but the fact that you're doing a case and I'm really yeah. excited to know what it is. It's kind of weird. I feel a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I feel like with Clark, it was so easy and it wasn't like yeah. specific content. Yeah. It wasn't scripted. Right. But now it's like, I have to present yeah. all over again <laughs> and it's been like two weeks. PowerPoint presentation. Oh, all righty, today we are going to crack open the case of Grant Amato. Do you know who Grant Amato is? It sounds familiar. You will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> You're going to get to know this guy. He was born May 20th, 1989 to his parents, Chad and Margaret Amato. Uh, Margaret had had a son from a previous relationship and his name was Jason. Jason was about three or four when Chad and Margaret got married and he adopted Jason. So Amato. Mm-hmm. Jason Amato. So the couple uh, would go on to have two more children. Cody was born in 1987, and then Grant, who's the baby, and he was born in 1989. Shortly after Grant was born, the family built a house in Chaluta, Florida, and it's about 25 miles outside of Orlando, so just a little tiny Florida town. This town was considered to be rural, and um, it actually had very little crime that occurred there. And, you know, typical of most... Yeah. (laughs) Until now. (laughs) Foreshadowing. Uh Uh-oh. The house was completed in 1990, and the family moved into their four-bedroom dream house. So, around this time, 
Um, it seemed like the family was doing really well. Chad Amato, who was the dad, he was a, a successful clin- clinical pharmacist. So he was a really smart dude, and he had a really avid love for computers as well. Chad described himself as a, quote, self-taught computer guru. Mm-hmm. So clearly Chad loved what he did, and um, it's actually all detailed in his own personal website, which is still active, by okay. the way. So we're going to talk about Chad a little bit. He uh, gives himself a brief bio. He considers himself to be a, quote, an accomplished, confident leader with many years of pharmaceutical experience involving retail, hospital, home health, specialty, and long-term care in the state of Florida. After finishing my private elementary and my private high school education, I enrolled and graduated from the University of Florida. My original plan was to be an industrial chemist, but the lab was rather solitary, and my father, who was also a pharmacist, convinced me that parlaying with the chemistry major into a pharmacy degree would be more socially interactive and equally gratifying, and he was right. Today, healthcare is an ever-changing discipline. Change is an opportunity best met with motivation, not resistance. Outside of the profession, I am married and I have mentored three sons. They also have established careers in the healthcare industry. Since my profession resides inside buildings, the vast majority of my free time is spent outdoors. I marvel and compete with Mother Nature. My favorite activities are climbing, hiking, and cycling. I chill out and watch classic films and try to avoid the relentless mainstream media commercials. When it's time to self-educate, I just Google it. A balanced routine for me would be work, exercise, fun, and peace. I consider myself fortunate to have a soulmate of the same spiritual wavelength. She is the moon to my son. This is the dad. This is his own bio, yeah, on his website. The dad, though. Yes. Yeah. So his wife, Margaret Amato, she's a mom, and she was a client operations manager at Nuance Communications. So aside for her, from her job, Margaret was an active animal lover, especially of horses. She often rescued and rehabilitated horses, even in the most severe cases. The most beloved one of hers being Lady, who she rescued in 2009, and she was an off-the-track thoroughbred, so she had she was a retired racing horse. Oh, wow. She posted about Lady all the time on her Facebook pages, and Lady was a troubled horse, but Margaret never abandoned her and kept showing Lady the love and affection that she thought she deserved all throughout her life. And then Lady passed away. I didn't know the date, but she did pass away at some point. So Jason had actually, this is the oldest son, Uh he moved away to college within a year or so of the family moving into their brand new house. This kind of gave way for Cody and Grant to become really close together. So they were pretty much inseparable. Everyone described them as best friends. During their high school years at Timber Creek High School, Cody and Grant also became interested in healthcare, so they realized like they wanted to follow in their parents' footsteps and their grandparents' footsteps. At the same time, Cody and Grant joined a weightlifting team, and they were also really big motivators for each other in the gym. Mm-hmm. So they seem like they're doing really great yeah. extracurricular activities and things like that, staying motivated. But just like typical teenagers, however, the brothers had PlayStations, PCs, VR sets, video games consumed quite a bit of their downtime. Okay. So they were pretty obsessed with online stuff, besides gaining, you know, some type of a... Uh, extracurricular outlet. Uh So the brothers also loved things like anime, and they were also part of an airsoft gun competition thing. Like, they had their own little airsoft troop that they Uh went in and did competitions with. Cody would go on to graduate in 2005, with Grant following in 2007. Both of the boys had dreams of going to nursing school, getting their degrees, and after college, they would buy matching BMWs and purchase their family's home, all while their parents would retire in a recently purchased house that they had purchased in Tennessee. Uh So that was their goal. Like, they had their whole lives planned out. They were going to go get their nursing license, 
buy nice cars, buy the house, the family house, and then, you know. So the boys seem, like, super hyper-focused and seem to have a pretty good plan in place for their futures. Cody and then eventually Grant would go on to nursing school and then anesthesiology school. They wanted to be anesthesiologists. So Cody excelled in all of his courses. He flew through nursing school and anesthesiology school. Grant, however, struggled in school and would only barely pass his nursing degree in 2011. Mm -hmm. And he soon dropped out of anesthesiology school after failing multiple courses. Becoming an anesthesiologist is one of the hardest things that you can do in the Mm -hmm. doctor world. Like, that takes a shitload of schooling and a lot of perseverance and really good grades. Yeah, and a lot of discipline, which Cody seemed to have, honestly. So even though this was perceived as a setback for Grant... He did go on to find work in an ICU, in the ICU as a nurse for the Orlando Regional Medical Center, where he would work as an RN for the next three years. It kind of sounds like Kristen Gilbert. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. In 2018, while working for Avent Health Orlando, Grant was actually suspended pending an investigation into missing medications. The hospital where Grant worked had noticed a large amount of propofol that had gone missing, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, but propofol was actually one of the drugs that, um, there was that doctor that had a pending investigation on him from Michael Jackson's death, Uh and because he was giving him copious amounts of propofol. Oh, no. Yeah. Mixed with other, like, horse tranquilizers or whatever. But a large amount of this had gone missing, and measures were taken to track the missing medications. Yeah. Specifically, there are two vials that were split between two patients. Two vials split between two patients. That sounds like a lot. Where no orders by any doctor to administer this drug had been given, and they were both under Grant's care. Yeah. All right. While the investigation continued since Grant was suspended... He spent more time at home, and especially on the internet. He poured himself into video games and began to isolate. Eventually, Grant would be arrested for grand theft, which is more than $300, but less than $5,000, but it is a felony charge. Okay. So, and this was for improperly administering drugs. Yeah. I mean, he could have killed somebody. Yeah. So, Grant had actually semi-admitted to the crime, stating to his superiors when originally approached... But he said that he, quote, administered the drug to patients because they were not adequately relaxed. Yeah. What? So let's just tranquilize them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just borderline kill them. Yeah. Um, So the charges were actually later dropped, but this was not without suspicion that the family had something to do with the reason that the charges were dropped. Mm -hmm. They were a pretty wealthy family. Yeah. So, of course, Grant was fired from his job at... Which he should have been. Yeah. Because of this, his isolation worsened. Um, He spent almost all of his time indoors and online. His weight began to drop, like, at an alarming rate because he was just becoming... He just wasn't eating or... He wasn't... Well, he was sleeping all day. He was staying up all night. He began to get, like, very pale. Like, yeah. He just wasn't taking care of himself. Yeah. Which is a complete 180 from the guy that was lifting weights yeah, in high school, you know, where he looked good. I mean, you can even Google pictures of him then. And it was like, okay, well, he's not a bad looking guy. Yeah. And then you Google pictures of him like around this time. So he started playing multiplayer shooter games with other people online. And he began to actually live stream on Twitch. Okay. And so he was like finding this kind of other world, you know, yeah. like he began to have friends online and things like that. And so he had begun to believe that he could possibly make a career out of becoming a Twitch streamer. So with this and his family believing in him that, like, you can do anything that you set your mind to, like, of course, 
His father and his brother actually started financially helping him to purchase new equipment Mm -hmm. or, like, support him for a little bit while he got more followers and things like that to really start his career. So they super wanted to support him. They were being they were being really supportive. But it's no surprise though that a man that was seemingly an online obsession at this point would become lonely and look for a relationship sources online, mm-hmm. right? So eventually he became addicted to porn. Oh. <laughs> we're just gonna like <laughs> jump right in just there. Jump right in. Okay. Well again, like he's isolated, he's lonely. Well, the he's internet up all is night by himself. Of communication or right, interaction. And entertainment with or whatever. So it just makes sense, like He's online all the time. I'm not saying nobody looks at porn. I'm just saying it It be- started becoming a full-blown addiction. Yeah. So with this, he would. this would eventually lead to someone he called the love of his life. Okay. And this was a Bulgarian cam girl named Sylvie. Okay. So portraying himself as everything that he always wanted to be in life, he met Sylvie on a cam girl website. He claimed that he was a wealthy professional gamer with a BMW and a luxurious house to himself. There's like one thing in that sentence that's accurate, which is gamer. Which is what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> gamer. So with the money he was accepting from his brother and father, Grant would pur- purchase lavish gifts, flowers, laundry, and even sex toys for her. All right. Which, of course, he's watching right oh because it's a cam girl i didn't even think about that yeah grant would often just send straight up money to sylvie as well so grant was spending upwards of not even joking this was this is after doing a little bit of math almost twenty five hundred dollars for a four hour long session oh my god two thousand five hundred dollars for four hours to talk to her so that's over $500 an hour. Yeah. Holy crap. And so a lot of the time it was like 600 there, 600, 600 here, 600 there. But it wasn't uncommon for him to spend that amount wow. of money. Yeah. For a four hour long. And it's session. not even his money that he's spending. No. Wow. He doesn't have a job. Jesus. So he also began referring to her as his girlfriend. But she's just like, give me your money, send me the yeah. presents. I'm doing my job. She's not, this is I mean, she's a income. cam. She's a cam model. I mean, yeah. that's what she does. Like, but he she, is like, like he's it's just way like different. he thinks that yeah. And I think that it just starts becoming such an addiction that it's like if he feels like he spends more time with her than other people, then she's gonna love him more than yeah. you know, only be interested in him if he's consuming all of her time. Yeah. Which she doesn't care. She's getting paid. Yeah, exactly. He had begun to max out credit cards. He even attempted to take out a credit card in his own father's name. Even after learning this, his dad did not press charges, however. And in fact, in order to keep it, like, on the hush-hush, Chad just kept the credit card. He didn't close it. Yeah. This is enabling at its Which finest. Which is just enabling him to use it. He has all the information. Yeah. So Grant was showing that pretty much he could take from them and they weren't going to do anything about yeah. it. They never reprimanded him and Grant would just tell them whatever they wanted to hear and continue to be like in the moment and then just continue to spend money. So over the course of a few months, Grant would spend almost $200,000. I don't even have that in much family money. money. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. He doesn't have a job. I know. It's not even Whose his money. money is this? Like where is this coming from? <laughs> he hasn't had a job. That's yeah. the thing. Like so all of this money is coming from his family, and honestly, it's not clear how or when the family kind of found out that Sylvie existed. Okay. But I'm sure it's not like he's hiding it. He's yeah. like, 
probably charging all of their credit cards or whatever it is. Anyways, I'm thinking that he, the family knew that he had a girlfriend, but maybe didn't know that she was a cam model or I don't know, you know, maybe he's just saying it's just gifts or something. But like, how do you not know it's a cam girl? Yeah. Or maybe they did. Yeah. Know that it's a cam girl. And I'm not sure that again, I don't know how they found out, but honestly, Margaret and Chad don't seem like they are dummies. So yeah, of course. They also don't seem like they're like, Hey, stop doing that. Yeah. (laughs) They're just like, please. Yeah. Could you please stop? Literally. And he's, like, a full-blown addict at this point. He's also a whole-ass adult. So, So (laughs) Cody, you know, having a really good career, he's an anesthesiologist, he really wanted to help his brother, and he told Grant that he did need to get help, but he said, let's get out of town, let's take a really nice trip, just the two of us, I think actually a friend met up with them at some point, but he's like, let's go get some space, let's get clear-headed, and when we come back, get some help. And he's like, okay. So, Cody, being a great older brother... Spent $10,000 on a trip to Japan. Wow. Yeah. They stayed in early December. And um, this is of 2018. So, yeah, he was just trying to get him motivated. Like, Uh maybe, like, shake him up a little bit. Maybe get him out of his depression and get him doing something, you know? And, like, like, this is a whole... There's a whole world out here. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you're just isolated online. I thought that was pretty cool. That's really nice. Oh, that's nice, Cody. So, Cody and Grant had always wanted to take that trip, like I said, and it was in December. Cody did tell Grant that when he returned home, he got to seek treatment. Grant said cool, and the two seemed to have a great time. What do you think happened when he got back? He just went right back to his old habits. Fuck yeah. So he was like, he did not get help. After the trip, Grant and Chad's relationship started to deteriorate. So that's the son and the dad. Chad was just like, I've had it. Like, he had actually been spending their retirement money. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So both Chad and Margaret, like, they all of their retirement money was almost gone. He even actually applied for a second mortgage on their house without telling them. Yeah, and oh if I'm God. not mistaken, the mortgage itself itself was only one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which wasn't even enough to cover the amount of debt that he yeah. had racked up. But they also have to pay that back. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's just Jesus. what is it? Borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. Like, it, that's really all it is. Yeah. So one particular very terrible argument that Grant had had with his dad. Um, Grant just ditched, like, he just left the house. He messaged his mother saying, quote, I'm really tired of everything, and, quote, I'm gonna handle this my own way. Fearing that her son would take his own life, yeah. and became, she became really concerned. And she's a concerned and sweet mother anyways. Yeah. She called the police to report her son missing. She cited his depression and isolation, saying that after failing in school and getting fired, he was feeling, quote, worthless. Mm-hmm. She was really concerned that he had access to guns as well. Because they were kind of gun people. I didn't really mention that earlier, but that was supposed to go with the Aerosoft thing. Yeah. So Grant had actually gone to his Aunt Donna's house, um, seemingly for refuge. And she lived about 42 miles away. And um, when he arrived, Donna was shocked by Grant's appearance because she hadn't seen him in a few months. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And he just looked terrible. He looked pale and sleep-deprived. So she offered for him to stay there for a few days to kind of cool off or whatever it was, right? And didn't initially notify chatter margaret where he was she was like you can just be here for a little bit chill out donna over like the next two days had noticed that grant just really had strange sleeping patterns he slept all day he stayed up all night Mm -hmm. all this stuff and then she started noticing that her credit card was being hacked oh that's really weird he hasn't done that yet i'll remind you that the family kept it really hush hush oh yeah that's right 
So she realized that Grant was the one that had a, that had stole her credit card information. So she called Chad to reveal to him that Grant was with her and was using her credit card oh, without her consent. Chad at this point had broke down crying and Donna said in 27 years that she's known her brother-in-law, she's never seen him cry. Wow. Or maybe once. But Donna heard all of it, basically, that they wouldn't be able to retire when they wanted to and that they had to <sighs> remortgage the house and it didn't matter what it took to keep Grant out of jail, they were still going to do it. That's so awful. So Margaret and Chad both begged Donna not to press charges, and Cody even offered to make payments to Donna to cover the what he charge. spent. Oh my gosh. Donna agreed not to press charges under the premise of him getting help, basically. So she was I like, mean, I won't press charges as long as he goes to get help. He's not going to, though. So on <laughs> December 22nd of 2018, the Amato family, including Chad, Margaret, oldest son Jason, and middle son Cody, confronted Grant outside of his Aunt Donna's home in the driveway. An intervention. Yeah, an intervention. They had made arrangements for Grant to go to under- go to recovery for internet and sex addiction. Cody himself was the one that fronted the bill for a 60-day treatment program in Fort Lauderdale to the tune of $15,000. I was going to say, that's not cheap. It's not. Grant decided to go to treatment voluntarily. However, he would check himself out just after two weeks of inpatient treatment. Oh, my gosh. He would later tell detectives that he justified leaving in this two-week span because the psychiatrist and therapist did not prescribe him any medications and called his addiction a, quote, isolated event due to being out of work and PTSD from being previously arrested. Okay, I think that's a little ridiculous that they came to that consensus with his diagnosis, but you don't just... You don't go to therapy and, oh, you shouldn't go to therapy in hopes or recovery in hopes of getting medicated, you know? That's no, not... and that's what he was saying. He's like, well, it's, I mean, when I, basically he was saying when I signed the paperwork, I told them, like, well, I haven't been diagnosed with anything and I'm not taking any medications. You can't hold me for anything. Yeah. And he also checked himself in voluntarily. But the thing is, is that he has medical knowledge. He probably knows the things that he should be taking in order to stabilize himself. Yeah. Unless he doesn't think that he's unstable. He probably doesn't. Know? Well, in his mind, it's like, they're trying to keep him from his girlfriend. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that he probably just hung his hat on the words, like, isolated event. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh, well, you know, these these thoughts that you're having or whatever might be an isolated event, but whatever. But yeah, what I'm saying is, like, or the PTSD. I think that he literally just honed in on those things so that that was his justification for leaving. Yeah, well, it's like they're trying to say the same I don't thing, think though, that like... an actual psychiatrist or therapist said those things to him, is what I'm saying, oh. in the context of that. There's no paper trail. So it's not like, I mean, he just signed himself out. Yeah. So who knows what was said to him, you know? Eventually, Grant returned home on January 5th, 2019, but the family was prepared for this. And while in treatment, the Amato family had come up with their, quote, bottom lines, like Dr. Phil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, these are the rules for remaining in the house and a list of conditions if Grant were to stay home. Okay. So I transcribed what I could because... It, the it's on a legal pad that Chad wrote. The like the real document was put into evidence, but there's photographs of it online. So I was only reading it. Yeah, but it's also it's hand, like handwritten. Yeah, it's handwritten, but it's legal pad paper. So it's like to get a whole picture of it. It's yeah. like really tiny. <laughs> so I yeah. I transcribed what I could. So at the beginning of the letter, it's calculated all the money that Grant Amato has either stolen or used. Oh, wow. And what the family had spent bailing him out of situations, including lawyers, hotels, the, even the Japan trip. Oh, wow. Um, the rehab center, uh, even down to email correspondence correspondences with Sylvie, because that costs money yeah. through the cam site. 
So in the letter, it states that, and they're just bullet points at this point, Grant must present a plan in writing of his recovery plan that, if not adhered to, leads to the dismissal from the home. Okay. He must have any day shift job as an RN, laborer, or in an office. He cannot have an overnight position. I'm surprised his nursing license didn't get revoked from all this. From all that, right? Or even the accusation of him stealing, although the charges were dropped. He may not have post-midnight internet use and must not have overnight internet use and no more all-nighters. Okay. Uh, So he's got to go to bed at a certain time. Which is only going to help his mental health. And I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, exactly. And that's what they're concerned about. I mean... They're, they're doctors, they're nurses yeah. in this family. Like, they know. Um, the family will install a new AT&T modem with limited capacity. Okay. So they can turn off the internet whenever they want. Nice. It'll come with some sort of a blocking equipment for unwanted Wi-Fi connections as well. Yeah. And hotspots. So all that's going to be blocked. Grant will turn in his phone and the Amados, will, the Amados will purchase a new phone minus data capabilities. Essentially just a phone for emergencies yeah. only. No internet, just phone call. Right. Subscriptions and internet are also canceled on all devices available at the house, including an iPad, a Surface Pro, and a main family computer. Yeah, this is, like, legit. They're, like, legit. (laughs) Like, they're, like, if you're going to get out of rehab that early, we're going to treat this place like rehab. Yeah. Like, which is the way it should be. Yeah, it should. And most of this was Chad, because Margaret, she's too sweet. You must get a job and be able to afford beginning to pay back some of the money at an agreeable amount to pay and to also pay for his car insurance. He must issue a family apology and create some savings. Chad did note in the letter in little parentheses on the side that he the family did not anticipate Grant's ability to pay them back, nor that they ever expect an apology from him, at least not a sincere one. Yeah. Because it also says in parentheses, like, lacks the ability to empathetic or whatever like they're well, legit there's your sign right there yeah. grant would um agree to a personality and psychiatric evaluation as reg- as well as regular therapy okay grant also had an option to join the military if he didn't want to comply with all of the family house rules okay but he would still have a place to land right grant was told to never contact sylvia again and if he were to grant would immediately be kicked out of the house furthermore while he was in rehab Chad and Cody actually contacted Sylvie while Grant was there and revealed that Grant was not rich and had been using family money to support his addiction to her. She was told not to contact Grant lest she be pulled into an investigation of fraud. Wow. <clears throat> this is, like, a lot. Like, they are smart people. <laughs> well, yeah, and, like, the thing is, is, like, everything that you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's gonna be like, no, like, fuck you guys, I'm an adult, like, like this, like, do this and that the other, but, like, if you don't act like an adult, then we're not gonna treat you like an adult. No, of course. Like, and you don't, you got those rights taken away when yeah. you did all of this, you know, prior. Well, and these are just conditions to stay in the house. Exactly. If the dude wanted to live in a shelter, he could go live in a shelter, or if he wanted to go get a job, you know, whatever it was. And move out. Or yeah. Whatever. Oh, I think I, I think I accidentally skipped over this, that he must show a job application or proof of employment. He must find a job in 60 days and keep it for at least 90 days. Okay. At a time. And if he wants to switch jobs, cool. you gotta stay there for 90 days. Yeah. So, Grant agreed to all of these conditions. Wow. Although it was ridiculous, he said, that his own father would keep his girlfriend from having any contact with him. Like, no. the dude literally legit thinks this is unfair. He thinks that's his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, for sure. After Grant was given this ultimatum, Cody became concerned that the f- of the family's safety. He was actually quoted in telling a girlfriend that he was worried that his brother would, quote, kill everyone. Oh, my gosh. Because he was that upset. Does he kill everyone? We're going to get there. Oh, my gosh. 
This, however, did not stop Margaret from enabling her own son. No. She would eventually cave to Grant's requests by allowing him to use her phone to contact Sylvie via social media. Twitter. Okay. Twitter. She's going against Chad now. Like, it's not even like you're still enabling your son. Now yeah. you're going against your husband. Right. Like, and it's his, for his and safety. And the family. Exactly. And, like, the family it's not like safety. the husband's being ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. On January 24th, 2019, Chad found out about Grant's continued contact with Sylvie. Chad reportedly grabbed Grant by the shirt in anger, somewhat lifting him up, and then gave him a sh- few short hours to pack his shit and go. Wow. He's yeah. serious. Straight up. The next morning, January 25th, 2019, Cody's co-workers became worried when he didn't show up for work. No. He had been known as a hard worker, and out of the five years he had been employed there, he had never missed a single day of work. No, 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 A co-worker called the police and told the dispatcher that he feared something had come to harm of his friend and that he would, that it was really unlike, for, unlike him to skip out of work. Um, he also knew the mental history and depression with Grant and that he knew at one point that he was suicidal. The police arrived at the house at 9.20 a.m. to carry out a welfare check, only to find no answer at the door. And after several attempts of contacting any occupants, the officers asked for confirmation from a supervisor to enter the residence. Through a sliding glass door, the officers gained access to the residence to find a horrible scene. No. He first found Cody Amato, age no, 31, Cody. and he was... Content warning, it will describe a death scene. Um, Cody Amato, who was 31 at the time, was found shot dead in the hallway between the gym and the garage. Um, he had been shot once under his eye. I felt like I'm friends with Cody. That's so I know. sad. He, was, he just wanted the best for his brother. He did, and he tried to help him, and he was really successful. He, uh, again, he was shot underneath his eye, and a gun was laying close to him. He was dressed in his scrubs. He had just come over from work from the night before, and his lunchbox was actually next to him in a pool of blood. Next found was Chad Amato. Uh, He was 59, and he was in the kitchen. He had been shot twice in the head, and he was face up, and it was noticed right away that he was wearing a gun holster, and a pistol was still inside the holster. It was on his right side, and although Chad was right-handed, it was a cross-draw holster. So... That's weird. Why is it on his right side if he's right-handed? It's we'll, we'll see. So the last victim found was Margaret Amato, 61. She was actually shot in the back of the head while still seated at her computer desk, and oh she was slumped God. over. Grant was nowhere to be found, and when police tried to track him down via his cell phone, it had been disconnected. Police put a bulletin out to track down Grant's 1996 Honda Accord. I just want to pepper that in there because he said he drove a BMW, yeah. and he was driving a 96 Honda Accord. Well, Who's to say that his phone didn't get disconnected because and it this was, was a 2018. burner phone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so the next morning, a tip actually was received that found Amato's car at a, a Doubletree Hotel where he was located and voluntarily went to the station to talk about what happened to his family. When Amato arrived, Detectives Anderson and I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Multari. Um, they seem pretty chill when they get in there. They're just asking him about school history, some work history, chatted about his interests, like anime and video games and things like that, mm-hmm. trying to get him real comfortable. Um, he did say that when he last left the house with some bags that he had packed, and he had said that he was there for several hours packing um, because that's the opportunity that his dad gave him, and he said that Cody wasn't there when he left. He later changed his story that Cody was indeed there, but Amato only saw him for a short time. Uh, given the hostility in the house, he just wanted to get out. Um, originally, he said that he had left at 9.30 at night, but was confronted when they had already had information that Cody left his job early at mm-hmm. 9.15. Oh. 
So they were like, given the time that it would take Cody to get to the house, Why unless he stopped there? somewhere, you know, yeah. whatever. Of course, they're not going to give him that, like, unless he stopped somewhere. Yeah. But then he did admit that um, he did see his brother before he left, but only for a short minute. Okay. Yeah, when he was killing him. So investigators pushed for more information regarding Cody's love of guns, knowing full well that a gun was found only feet away from Cody. Amato leaned into the story and um, basically was building up a case against his own brother for murder. He stated oh, that Cody... Yeah. Oh, I hate that so he much. He stated that Cody had told him he was going to, quote, take care of everything as Amato was leaving the house. He described his father as physically abusive towards everyone in the family except Cody when they were younger, which is kind of contradictory to him telling yeah. him that he's mad. It was like, oh, he, my brother loved me so much he was going to do me this favor. No, and it was also like, if he's trying to play the whole I'm innocent thing, why wasn't he like, yeah, I was really concerned when my brother said he was going to take care Here. of him for me. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you stay? Oh, my God. Yeah, so, he's trying to make it ominous. It's so disrespectful <laughs> it is. to blame someone that you fucking murdered. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he murdered him. I'm sure he did. Um, and he just trying yeah. to put, put them as the bad oh, yeah. person. He said that him and Cody were both intimidated by Chad, although he did claim that Cody never experienced abuse. Um, he did talk about the financial problems about him and his girlfriend. He was not shy about these truths. And again, you know, he recanted a few things talking about when he saw Cody, when he didn't. He claimed that after he left the house, he sat in a parking lot of a local grocery store to use the store Wi-Fi to look up directions for a job interview that he had the next day. Yeah, bullshit. He said that a job interview, like of all things. Yeah. It wasn't like, I got to get down to the GameStop, you know, or yeah. whatever it was. It was like, <laughs> you know, I got to, oh, the one time in my life I have a job interview. Seriously, you can't even do that for the freaking requirements <laughs> on the list after you got out of rehab. So he said that he did sleep in his car until he went to the job interview at 645, which is clearly like, you can clearly look that up. Also, why does this guy have a car? Why wouldn't the parents take the car and use it or sp sell it to get some of that money back. He's also, like, 28. 28. He's not freaking acting like right. it. Investigators turn up the heat then by confronting Amato about how his phone will show detailed accounts of everywhere he went if it connected to Wi-Fi. You're like, bro, it's 2019. Like, like you're also really computer literate. Like, you yeah. know that it's, like, your phone connected to the grocery store where you claim to be sitting all night. Well, if you move anywhere, it's going to try to connect to other yeah. Wi-Fis. Like, duh. Yeah. Three hours into the interrogation, Amato had yet to even ask for the reason he was there. He didn't know. Well, he didn't, he didn't know that his know. family had been murdered. Yes. What about his other brother? Jason, he didn't live in the house. Remember, he moved he just out. He wasn't there. Yeah. He moved out during college. He's not even saying, like, hey, guys, like, what's what's yeah. all the fuss about? He's just like, yeah, my brother said he was going to, like, off them for me. Like, Here's the... They, like, we didn't well, even tell you what happened. Well, again, after, like, hours of interrogation, he was like, oh, well, Cody said he was just going to handle it. Like, oh, whatever that, that I, means. Now that I know oh, that piece why of am I here? After yeah. three hours, he never once asks. He just... They... Yeah. And that's so powerful because he's explaining all of the reasons why... Well, he's giving his alibi. A, yeah. When he doesn't when even he know. When he doesn't know. Yeah. Wow, what an idiot. And it's it's so much more powerful when the investigators don't have to say anything. Yeah. Because, like, you never asked why you're in a police station. You never asked what happened to my family. Why am I here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your, what's your uh, classic line? Dummy. Dummy. <laughs> like, that's I put up here and I was like, you know, like, Chad and Margaret, because they're not dummies. <laughs> <laughs> he had said that he had stayed the night at the Publix. He said that he went to the job interview. And then when he decided to drive home, he... 
um, noticed that there were a lot of police officers and ambulances down his street. So instead of going to figure out what was happening there, he drove to a local Panera, connected to the Wi-Fi, and then Googled local radio or news stations to see if there was any information. And then when he saw that um, it was up his driveway or whatever it was, he was like, well, there's no way I'm going to get through there. So I might as well just stay at the hotel. Oh, yeah. Don't do anything to try to get to your family that you Like call 911 and say, was say... there a 911 call? Ser- okay, we went to the grocery store earlier today, me, mom, and the babies. Mm-hmm. On the way back into the neighborhood, there was a fire truck leaving. And I was like, oh my God, we have to get home and make sure that that's not our house or whatever. Right. I was like, I'm sure somebody would have called me. But like, even that thought, I was immediately going to the house. I wasn't yeah, away from exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So investigators continued to pressure Armato, and they actually began to show him graphic crime scene photos of the family in order to get some type of a reaction, because at this point, he's still deadpan. Yeah. Like, and that can actually very be vocally. really telling. I don't know about in this case, but in some cases when there's, like, serial killers that are really, like, into, like, what they do, they kind of get, like, satisfaction from mm-hmm. seeing that. And that can be a tall tale sign. Yeah. Like, when you show somebody, like, oh, okay, you actually did this because look at you. Like, he you're... he did even, like, he did immediately close his eyes and he did begin to sob a little bit. Like, that it was something that finally gained, gained a reaction out of them. Out Probably of him. crocodile tears. Maybe. Um, I think it was, like, because the, the video's out there, you can watch it. Yeah. And, um... It did look like he was like, ugh, like he didn't want to. Like he's finally it. realizing what he did? Yeah. I mean, I don't feel that bad for him. This is the detective's accounts or their theory about what happened. Yeah. So Amato had first shot his mother while she was sitting at the computer. Later, it was confirmed by the computer forensic analyst who testified that Margaret's computer had actually stopped being active around 4.45. P.M. So, P.M. And he's saying that he was there until 9.30. Right. So your plan's already got some holes exactly. in it. Exactly. Grant. Grant. Her glass of wine was actually still sitting next to her keyboard when she was found. (sighs) Detectives then explained that they believed that he waited for Chad to come home and um, he would be executed around an hour later. He was shot once in the head but wasn't killed immediately. Content warning. He did attempt to drag himself to the nearest phone where Amato had stopped him by shooting him once more and then actually dressed him in his own holster. Oh, so that's why it was on the wrong... What a... Dumbass. So he thought about the fact that his dad was right-handed, but he didn't know about the holster, about it being a cross draw. Thank God for dumb, dummy. Kill- dumb killers. Dummy. So Chad's phone had actually been, uh, been unlocked around 5.55 and actually had the settings changed on the dad's phone to remain unlocked. Why? The creepy thing is, is that it's only unlockable by fingerprint. And... Later in the trial, it was actually revealed that Chad's index finger was actually wiped clean of blood to access his phone. Oh, that is so, so fucking So Grant was gross. getting into his phone to either use it or, I mean, it, there, there's no specifications there. It was actually revealed later that um, his bank account information was accessed through the phone. That's why. But why would he change it to not lock itself? That's weird. I guess so he didn't have to keep doing that over and over oh, again with the fingerprint. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Ugh. The fact and, that he did yeah. it once, though. I know. It's creepy. Like, and fuck you. Like, they, like, an, uh, a forensic uh, blood spatter, blood, uh, a blood finger, spatter. not a blood spatter analyst, but like a, a like just an, yeah, fingerprint analyst um, testified that it has been, happened in several cases where people use their, I mean, use a yeah. deceased's hand to open up a phone. Jesus. So creepy. Around uh, 9.15, Cody Amato had left for work, leaving his shift early. Apparently, it wasn't confirmed, of course, because 
Cody's no longer with us, but apparently a phone call had been made to Cody while he was at work asking him to come home early. By, by who? Well, that's the thing, is that if Chad had died at about 6 o'clock and he didn't receive a phone call until, like, 9 o'clock, was it was Grant? Was it Grant? posing as his dad trying to lure him to the or maybe house? it was a text i don't know but either way he had told someone that he needed to go home because of a family incident but chad again the fingerprint the last fingerprint access that had happened was at almost six o'clock and then afterwards is when cody got the phone call or the text message or the phone call. yes so he so was saying was completely Please come home. calculated yes that he pretty much lured his own brother why wouldn't he lure the other brother then while he's at it? You know what I mean? Like I don't think I don't know where Jason lives at this point, but he definitely doesn't live in the home. Well, yeah, but, the rest but of like, them do. why go through that length to get Cody home? I guess because Jason wasn't a part of their whole rehab thing because he wasn't living. I home? guess, yeah. Well, he was there at the intervention. Jason was. Well, there you go. But so I don't like... know how far away Jason lived at this point. Okay, not to I say don't that think like he Jason lived... should have been a victim. I'm I don't just think saying, he lived like... around that area. He might have even lived in Orlando, but that's, oh, okay. like, 25 miles away. You know what I mean? I'm like, just trying to put myself into the I know. mind of, like, yeah. why did you have to go out of your way to kill Cody or get him home, right. you know, like... But I think it's also because Jason didn't enable him. Yeah. Cody enabled him financially. And yeah. that he was... do that. I mean, remember that list that his dad gave him? It calculated everything even Cody spent. Yeah, that's true. Cody was the one that fronted the money for the lawyers. Cody's yeah. the one that paid for the hotels. Cody's the one and that... And rehab. Either way, Cody left work early and he was immediately shot as he entered the door, given the position of his body. Um, also, it did say that they were kind of moved. Like, I know that um, they testified that where Chad was shot initially or even a secondhand, he would be face down. But that he was found faced up. Well, we know that because of the holster. But that Cody was also potentially moved a Weird. little bit. And I'm not sure why. Because it was just like a small pool of blood and then an even bigger one. Weird. I'm sorry, a bigger one and then a smaller one. So he was already dead by the point that he was being moved. So Grant had, again, this is all the detectives. This is what they're saying. That Grant had placed the gun next to Cody in order to stage the crime scene. So, trying to make Cody look like he killed his parents, which we... Yeah, and then he about. shot himself under the eyeball. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Even confronted with this very specific accusation, Amato never confessed to the crimes, and Amato never will or ever did. Um, not even when detectives brought in Jason, his oldest brother, to into the interrogation room to ask him what happened. Yeah. Um, we'll get back to that in just a second, but... I don't know if I'd want to see you at that point. I would be so scared. Well, he was like, I know you were the last... He's like, I'm not just going to ask you straight up. Did you do this? And Grant was like, no. No, I loved Cody. I loved mom and dad. And he's like, well, you're, I know you were the last person to see them. Like, yeah. I know you were. You would, you know, like, whatever it was. And he still just denied it. So this is... I'm just going to read off a little bit of evidence that was found. Um, a letter found inside of Grant's car. Because remember, he was like, oh, I hopped in my car and yeah. I drove around or whatever. So they're like, of course, we're going to look through your car. Um, inside Grant's car, there was a letter that read... And it, it was in kind of disheveled, I guess, um, handwriting. But it says this. I'll just It's a full-on quote, a couple sentences long. And it says, Grant. I'll take care of all of your problems. I just need you back. I can't live without you, brother. I said I'd take care of all of your problems at the house, and I have. No one will bother you again regarding this. Just please come home. I can't do this again. If you think I'm a part of the problem here, then I've really lost you, and I can't take that loss after everything. 
from the perspective of That's Cody, quote unquote Cody, who, oh, I'm taking care of, I'll do everything for you. I'll kill my parents. And then, oh, if you're leaving, then I'm just going to have to kill myself. Like, wow. And then I placed it in your car. Fu- yeah. <laughs> or you found it even worse. And then you put it in your car and didn't tell police about yeah, it. Yeah. What the hell? No, it was found in his car. And it was, it was a ridiculously stupid attempt to try to frame his own brother that he killed. Also, that just really is compelling to how, like, planned this was and yeah. how calculated this was. Methodical. You know? Every phone each one of the family members had um, was actually accessed or attempted to be accessed at a certain point. So, um, Chad's bank account, like I said earlier, had been accessed around midnight. Amato then traveled in his car around 2.45 a.m., sat in a grocery store parking lot, and gained access to the Wi-Fi. At 3.06 a.m., Amato charged $600 to his father's credit card to reopen his cam girl account. That's all he fucking cares about? At, like, what? You just murdered three of your family members and, like, tried to gain... And, I, I again, I'm sure it's all in the trial. Um, most of it is was televised, so there's a lot of YouTube um, video out there of it. But... Yeah, I mean, these are the bullet points, right? Like, he's literally acts as, like, at one point, he has, like, over six or 700 photos of Sylvie that he, like, downloads onto his computer that I guess were taken away at some point. And so he re-downloaded that. He took Cody's phone and plugged it into, uh, he was trying to transfer all of his personal information onto his own computer, I guess, to gain access to bank accounts or whatever it was. Like, and that was out of an attempt to, because Cody didn't have the thumbprint thing. He had a number or password, and he didn't know what it was. So he was trying to gain access to the phone to find out in financial information, I guess. But that's, I mean, that's the severity of it. That's what's on your mind is, oh, I've got to get this account reopened, yeah. and I'm going to kill three people to fucking do it. It's and I don't have Wi-Fi me. at the house, so I'm going to drive somewhere that has Wi-Fi just to call her. Oh, my God. Up. it's horrible that's like the part that gave me like the biggest chills was yeah. like he as soon as he possibly could he went to go spend six hundred dollars of his dead father's money to access this like yeah so again that's just some evidence that was eventually used against him so we're getting into the trial now prosecutors of course had the stance that amato was totally obsessed with sylvie and that along with that increasing debt and the family co- the family issues caused grant to commit these murders so the defense painted Chad Amato as an abusive man whose tirades controlled the entire family. The prosecution had Jason, the oldest brother, as a witness. Jason denied that Chad had ever been abusive outside of the occasional spanking his children. So the defense presented evidence that supposedly proved that Chad and Cody were still alive at midnight after Grant left the house via some text messages that they were exchanged between Chad and Cody's phones. But if he had, the prosecution's like, if he had access to the phones... He could just do that himself. Yeah. Like, that's a really dumb defense. <laughs> also, um, how the fuck do you sleep at night as a defense attorney that you're trying to paint a picture of one of the victims of this murder scene that he was an abusive asshole? Yeah. And he not only deserved to get murdered, it seems like, but, like, that's their job, had a part though. in it. That's, that's, that's their job. Defense had said that there was also no DNA evidence nor gunshot residue present that connected Grant to the crime, although the prosecution quickly argued that Grant was never apprehended, at least not for 36 hours. Yeah. He could complete, like, he could clean himself up. So both sides actually wanted the courts to understand that the murder weapon itself was never found. Okay. Which is interesting. So the gun that was found next to Cody wasn't actually used in the crimes. And there were no uh, shell casings that were ever found. 
The murder weapon has not been found. Still to this Still. day? Wow. Interesting. Which is interesting, right? But again, it kind of proves that someone did this. It wasn't Cody. Cody yeah. didn't shoot himself, lose the gun, and, and then pick up the shell casings. Pick up the shell casings, dispose of those, and then place another gun before he passed, you know? Yeah. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. So somebody had to have committed this crime. So, um, and again, the the prosecution would say that he, that Grant, had planted the gun on his own father so that it looked like Cody and his, like, Cody was being threatened by his father. Yeah. Is what and he tried to do. there's two guns on the scene, not thinking that they're not going to match. And neither the of them don't match. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, the jury did find Grant Amato guilty of premeditated murder in the first degree of his father, his mother, and his brother on Good. July 31st, 2019. He, and he was, got charged with three counts of murder or... Three counts. Three counts yes. of murder. Okay. And this was after eight hours of deliberation. So arguably not a lot. I mean, that's a lot of evidence for yeah, three murders. So I don't think that's a lot of time. Mm-mm. He was sentenced to life without the possi- possibility of parole, but he did avoid the death penalty. Don't know how. Um, <laughs> oh, this is also Florida. Florida. Um, <laughs> Florida. Jason Amato said that he will always live with the guilt of not being able to help his family, even if it means that he died along with them. Oh, my god. He says that he mostly missed being able to talk with his loving mother. Yeah. Grant Amato still denies that he had anything to do with the murder of his oh family. Oh, my God. Just fucking admit it. To this day. Yeah. Like, you're already in prison for life. Right. So the woman known as Sylvie was never been, has never been brought to prosecution or even been interviewed on her perspective of the relationship or the crimes that were committed. Wow. She's just out there in the ether in Bulgaria. Damn. Grant Amato is now 34 and is serving a sentence in Tomoka Correctional Institute in, uh, Institution in Daytona Beach, and he is currently appealing his conviction. Damn. He has yet to be diagnosed or evaluated for his seemingly addicted personality and is likely his likely disconnect from reality or emotions. So although he hasn't been fully evaluated, Grant Amato clearly has... In my opinion, internet sex love addiction um, as his, what would be his diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and it's super powerful with him. Like, that's, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to get into, like, talking about what that is okay. a little bit. Um, so treatment, um, just like for any addic- addiction, can be um, helped with the 12-step program, of course. Um, and the DSM-4, it categorizes this disorder as hypersexual disorder. Okay. However, it is not in the DSM-5. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. So yeah. I thought this was really, really interesting. Um, the diagnosis of hypersexual disorder has been dropped, again, like I said, in the DSM-5. Although the American Psychiatric Association doesn't recognize that it's a clear disorder in the DSM-5, the IDC-10, which is the International Classification of Diseases, recognizes it as a diagnosable disease. Mm-hmm. So hypersexual disorder was described as a sexual desire disorder characterized by an increased frequency and intensity of sexual motivated fantasies, arousals, urges, and an enacted behavior in an association with impulsivity component, with an impulsivity component. So addiction, so that's the hypersexual disorder. The addiction part of itself is characterized by an inability to consistently abstain Impairment in behavioral control, craving, diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behavior and interpersonal relationships, and a dysfunctional emotional response with those addictions. Mm -hmm. So that's just what it was classified as in the DSM-4. But again, it's not in the DSM-5, but it is on the ICD-10. And the diagnosis that's in the ICD-10, it's under the blanket of, like, addictions, 
Then underneath addictions, it's impulse control disorder. Mm -hmm. And then underneath that is pretty much compulsive sexual behavior disorder. So compulsive sexual behavior disorder is characterized by a persistent pattern of failure to control intense, repetitive sexual impulses or urges resulting in repetitive sexual behavior. Symptoms may include repetitive sexual activities becoming a central focus of the person's life yeah. in order to the point of neglecting health and personal care or other interests. Well, that's exactly what he did. Exactly what he did. Activities and responsibilities may also be neglected. Numerous unsuccessful efforts to significantly reduce repetitive sexual behavior and continued repetitive sexual behavior despite adverse consequences or deriving little or no satisfaction from it. The pattern of failure to control intense sexual impulses or urges and resulting in repetitive sexual behavior is manifested over an extended period of time, like six months or so, which, again, it was only like six or seven months yeah. this whole time, Yeah. and causes marked distress or significant impairment in personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other areas of life functioning. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that sounds just like him. That's a... I actually didn't know about that case. The name sounded mm -hmm. familiar, and I think maybe I've, like, seen it in the news and yeah. stuff. Maybe, like, on, like, an article or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I did not know about that case. That is... It's, it's sad. Yeah. Well, it I mean, is. it seems it really like is. it was just such a turn. Like, it was, like... All of a I sudden. I feel like... Yeah. I feel like it was... I mean, clearly the, the tension is building... But what's interesting to me about what the IDC-10 says is that it's the impulsivity. Yeah. Like, it's, like, so impulsive. Well, you don't care. Irresistible impulse. Irresistible yeah. impulse. Like, you do not care who you harm and who you hurt. I mean, he might as well, I'm sorry, like, he might as well be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Yeah. Like, it is that severe. It yeah. changes your brain chemically. Of course. Addiction is a disease. Mm -hmm. And as as many people want to stigmatize it. Or gambling. Gambling even. It's, it's yeah. it, it literally changes your right, the brain chemistry. And it changes the way that you perceive things with your dopamine, you know, and takes your serotonin intake or whatever. Yeah. And it literally gives you that pleasure center. It lights up. So you want to keep doing it. It's right. the same thing. Like, you're right. It's the same thing as addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs. Yeah. You, your body continuously gets that. And it... And it eventually needs it it doesn't yeah. work without it right and then you're and then not only that but your tolerance gets higher yeah so it's course. like this is no longer satisfying to me i need something better yeah spending two hundred dollars on yeah. this is no longer satisfying now mm -hmm. i need to spend three hundred and yeah. four hundred now i need to buy her physical gifts i need to see this yeah it's, yeah it's it's really something and it's really tragic that that took that turn that it did I know. you know Ugh, i feel so bad for jason especially i know I mean, survivor's I mean, he's, guilt must yeah. be immense well and that's again like what he said is that he feels really guilty he's like i should have been there even if he were to take me to yeah at least i would have been there with my family oh, so it's really sad feeling like that. his his whole um testimony through the trial is also on youtube yeah. and it is heartbreaking and a lot of it is like the prosecution getting a better understanding of what his relationship with Grant was. And then um, they kind of focus on some, like, logistical stuff. Like, they talk about, like, the, the um, outline or the blueprint of the house and things like that. Like, where certain things are yeah. and all that other stuff. And I think it's more to establish exactly how... Um, how the murders occurred. Yeah, like, so that you know, place. Right. But, um, like, a little bit of a backup for the prosecution. But... Yeah. He did get very emotional, like... I mean, yeah, jeez. How do you not? And he, you know, and he felt like he had dealt with his own bouts of depression and things like that, and, um... But I'm glad that he was there to, to help... I mean, he helped his family by yeah. being able to be there, being able to testify, you know, and, and say that 
no, th- like, don't let them defame my dad. Yeah. Like, my dad was a good man. He like, shed light. He was, he had the, uh, the unique opportunity to shed light on, like, his, like, perception and, and, yeah. and experiences with the family growing up, you know? Right. He's the only other person besides Grant that can do that. Right, exactly. And, and uh, if Jason wasn't around, they, I mean, the defense could have had a better angle, yeah, honestly. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, good case. Thanks, Thanks. for sharing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was pretty intense <clears throat> researching. Yeah. But. Uh, it seems like you can find a lot of that information online when you mm-hmm. search. So just uh, be weary if you if you don't like to see you know testimonies or you don't yeah. really care to see court things. Th- th- does seem like that was um, popping up a lot in your research. So just to let everyone know. Yeah, for sure. I I there's not. The photos that are out there aren't too graphic. There is, unfortunately, one of Cody. Um, But everything's covered. You don't really see anything. It's more of just the position that he was in. Mm -hmm. And then there's another... um, There's a a few shots of just blood. But... um, Which I'm glad they privatized all that stuff because, you know... Yeah, I don't feel like people should have access to that kind of stuff. of course not. Of course not. Oh, thanks everyone for joining us again, and thanks again for being patient with us this last week. It's been wild. But now that we are both done with school and uh, able to kind of take on some more projects, maybe we'll get some more uh, cases out here. I've actually been kind of stirring my mind about another, like, bonus segment Mm. that I want to share with you. Yeah, Yeah. just to see what you think. Just something to chew on, but... In the meantime, uh, while you're waiting for the mental breakdown, you can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer. We have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis, Gmail at DiagnosingAKiller at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash DiagnosingAKiller. And if you want to see that Great Day SA segment of us, you can Google Great Day SA 12-17-2021, and it'll pop right up. Woo! Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.